0: Hey,
1: good evening. good evening.
0: Good evening.
1: It is. It's been quite a day, hasn't it? We are in Ephesians 5. You know what? Uh, we were talking about music last week, and we'll uh, kind of finish up there and uh, go ahead and finish with this one section. Everybody's heard of Bach, right? When you're talking about music, the great classical jazz Bach. Did you know he said something profound? The aim of all music is to... Glorify God. Isn't that good? J.S. Bach. Yes. What? Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> uh, he's from California then. <laughs> well, we uh, in our Ephesians 5 last week, we saw that uh, a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is obviously one who is going to speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making, singing, making melody in our heart to the Lord. And uh, we'll uh, finish the rest of that and then going into uh, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So That is uh, where we're at. We're just getting near the uh, middle section of uh, Ephesians 5, which... If you're filled with the Spirit, here's how you will live in the church. You're going to speak to one another. You're going to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, you're going to be able to sing those songs and make melody and be able to edify each other. Uh, then when you're filled with the Spirit, then things in the household will uh, be in order. And then at the, as far as parents and children, children and parents, husbands and wives, then on the job, every situation, the Holy Spirit uh, Will be allowed to control. It'll we'll go much better for our lives. Yes. You know, I had. You were you here last week? I was. If you have last weeks, it it is the same thing. I didn't change it up this time because it's so near the end on it, and so I'm just working out of what where we were at getting into Thanksgiving so if you have that if you don't we have extra sheets around here somewhere
0: Where they there
1: is one on in the hallway
0: um,
1: in the hallway on the top on the, the file cabinet I think there's should be there now in uh, in 19 we see that there's a lot of different kinds of songs there's psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and we were kind of looking to see the, kind of the meaning on that we don't try to differentiate. I think the the whole idea ultimately is that there are so many different kinds of music, so many different styles, and you look at all across the world, uh, different nations, different tribes and tongues, and they uh, are really singing to the same Lord, but they all have a little bit different uh, maybe way of presenting it. And, in, and even in local churches, you're going to have even a lot of different styles of music that's presented And I think, for one thing, it reflects the great, infinite, beautiful God that we have who is such a God of variety. You think of anything. You think of foods. Look at all the different varieties of foods we have. A tremendous amount of foods. There might be some uh, foods that you don't like, but there are a lot of foods that you do. And, um, I mean, you can go on and on about all the different varieties, whether it be colors, uh, the sounds, smells, just all around us, how our senses take that in. And God has done that because He is a God of much variety, isn't He? I mean, He is the one who knows about unity and diversity. Uh, he's the author of all that. So He's uh, He relates to us um, in songs and we are allowed to do it in wonderfully different ways. If you experience God, let's say, for instance, in the death of four daughters and a wife and the sinking of a ship, you might write a song called It Is Well With My Soul. And maybe you're overwhelmed with Christmas time and thinking of the incarnation of Christ and you might write a song called Joy to the World. Or maybe uh, you're just in your prayer closet having a little bit of quiet time, and maybe you think of, Father, I adore you. My life is laid before you. Something like that. And if you're stunned and you marvel over the fact of you were once a wicked sinner, maybe a wicked sinner like a Penny? No. <laughs> Not like that, no. It's <laughs> hard to
2: sneak in when you're coming in. You can't
1: sneak in here. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to our first verse yet. Just hanging on here. If, if you were like John Newton, you might come from that wicked background that he came from, the drunkard that he was, and um, in a terrible situation, and he's just a picture of all of us, though. And write a song called Amazing Grace. And so you have all sorts of different songs, classical, folksy, uh, my, on and on, contemporary, what have you. That it just takes in all that. Oh, how sweet to sound, right? If you're a Sunday school teacher and you have little kids and you want to relate God to them in a profound way, but yet something so simple, you write a song like Jesus Loves Me, This I Know for the... Bible tells me so. So On and on and on. How many songs could we relate to that? You just open up a hymn book and just go on forever, you know, because they all have different ways of uh, addressing the greatness of God, His character, and then singing to each other about how great God is, or singing straight to God. God meets us in high ways and, and holy ways, doesn't He? Being a great high and lifted up lofty God but he also meets us in really lowly ways and in meek ways he meets us in thunderous ways explosive ways and then he meets us in really quiet moments and we go on and we think of how complex God is he can meet us in that way and then in the most simplest ways that he comes in does that and it can be in a in a way that can be very merciful or sometimes he can wake us up in a really furious way and you think of all of God's character and the and sometimes you look at his attributes and they seem to almost conflict the love of God and then you also see the justice of God you know, mercy and mercy and grace and then but God is just and and he is a god that will have to judge and because of that, the wrath comes. And uh, God is so complete in everything, so varied, but in still in, in one, in unity. And so as we look at all these songs, and it, it really relates to the way that God meets, uh, meets all of us, and He shows His character. You, you can think of the uh, great classical work of Handel's Messiah. And then compare that to a, almost a country folksy song. Um, there's plenty of them in the hymn books. I've come back to Amazing Grace. I can't even think of any songs now all of a sudden. But just, just think of that. Or, or, or the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> Remember that one? God is uh, showing us that there are many different ways that we can uh, speak to one another and ultimately be doing it to Him. So I think we left off in verse 19 last week speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We not only speak to one another and we stress that but also we stress the fact that ultimately it's really to the Lord as He's right in our midst. So when we're filled with the Spirit we know we're to be god focused God's God-Christ-centered. We're to have a deep... I think, biblical theology of knowing the very character of God and how He works and uh, then realizing the variety of uh, music and music instruments that He's given us. All the different sounds that come out of those. He He really is the one that gave us the song. And He gave us the instruments by using people to write those. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll finish up with that. and Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank You for... You being such a great God that you are, a God of variety. And here it is again. You show how great you are by not making something boring, but something is always exciting, infinite in what you have blessed us with. And as we study music and study about giving thanks and praise and honor to you, uh, help us, Lord, to be able to worship you better. Uh, we have just begun on that journey. Help us to be strong in our worship, desiring to do that constantly and uh, helping us to learn who you are and then as we fellowship with each other, just speaking the, the very Word of God and as that is dwelling in us as, uh, we, as we sing or as we, as we talk, make melody and what have you and then in so many different ways um, where we gather around and really talk about you. And uh, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us into your truth again tonight. This name, Amen. Making melody in your heart to the Lord.
0: Uh,
1: we were talking about last week, and I think we went there, but it just uh, really rings in my heart a lot. This uh, Hebrews two twelve, where you have Jesus in really in the midst of his brethren, kind of like the congregation it's a meeting. Think of something like this even. And uh, it says in uh, verse 11, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Don't you like that? We're, we're his brothers, sisters, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. God, I, God the Father, I'll declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. As He's in the midst of us, He's singing praise to the Father. As we sing praise to God, He is in the midst of all of this. He's right in uh, with us. Jesus, can you imagine one day literally hearing Him sing in in our midst as uh, we are making melodies, singing and praising God, and there He is with us. Uh, Just an incredible thought. Where do these songs come from? Where do they come from? Making melody in your heart. That's where the songs come from. And all of our being, every aspect of our being that we have, we should be feeling this all week in the sense of when we, when we get a chance to come together, to seem like we mean it, for instance. To be able to put that out as he's saying, making melody in your heart coming from right here from your very inner person, and uh, of course that is um, the very person that is to be being built up, right the this new creation. I think of proverbs four twenty three keep your heart. With all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. That's why you want to you want to keep your uh, heart diligent, because this is the life. This is where it's at. It's what it whatever's going to come out from to to the outside comes from the inside, doesn't it? And so when we sing, it really should come from there. Uh, We're not talking about just making the mouth move, but we're talking really something from here. Our our heart should cause us to sing. Uh, We're overjoyed by it all. The hearts are the very uh, channels uh, through which we sing. And that's how we're able to do this varied and diverse type of uh, communicating to each other and then ultimately to, to God Himself. Uh, coming in the fullness of the Spirit, being passionate about what uh, what we have, and we praising Him. And God is all about being glorified, isn't He? That is what He is all about—to be glorified. And uh, Christ is at the center of everything. And so our thinking and our whole idea is: here's what's on the inside. This should be flowing out of us. Uh, praise should be something that um, we don't even force out. We're, we're, Spurgeon talked about the Bible and being biblene. You have so much of the Bible there, it just keeps coming out. Everything that you are thinking about and saying is something that's based on Scripture. Sometimes you may not even know it or mean it, what you just said, but it's something that is either Scripture or it's something that lines up with that. How many times do you see some kind of a, maybe an analogy out in the world sometimes and you think of it in a spiritual mode? Uh, that shows you where your heart is at. Rather than thinking of uh, other things, uh, singing and making melody with our hearts—it's not just willpower that does it, but it's something that we mean and we feel it. I think uh, the worship really comes from the very roots uh, of our being. Uh, we should be so deep in God that uh, running relentless on on God Himself to be joyful and all that. How to how to be spirit controlled and then showing that. Quite a thought. Okay, here's uh, probably the, the whole idea of it all. To the Lord, we talked about doing this with with each other, as we we sing to one another, we sing with one another, and ultimately it's to the Lord. To whom do we sing to? To the Lord, God-centered, Christ-centered. Um, go to Second Chronicles, chapter five. And there is being a temple during Solomon's time that is going to be finally built and they're going to worship God. You probably know the setting here. 2 Chronicles 5, 12 and 13. It up in verse 11. This is the coronation of the temple. It came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place. That's interesting. The priests came out of the most holy place. Usually the priest goes in once uh, a year, the high priest. This is different here as they're sanctifying it. For all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions, and the Levites who were the singers. All those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun with their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them one hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. Why? For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That has to be one incredible scene. All these priests with their white garb on and then 120 of them blasting with the trumpets with all the other instruments and the cymbals and they're singing, For He is good, His mercy endures forever. And you'll notice that as they lift up that voice, they lift up their voice, voices in singular, it's as one there, uh, it says it was in praising and thanking the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, praising and thanking Him, and there they were as one. The Ark was brought into the temple at that time, and uh, they now have um, consecrated that. What a what a place! And they knew exactly that uh, this was a God-centered thing. Worship is done toward God, right? in the presence of God with a view to God actually hearing what we do and seeing what we do as a congregation with a desire that God receive it in great joy and that He would be honored. So when people really think about the times whenever they gather together, we're not only singing to the Lord, He's in the midst of us, in that sense, right in the presence, and He's hearing it, and He's seeing it, and if it's coming from our heart, then He recognizes that as an honor to Him. And He approves, and He approves it with delight. That's an amazing thing. Look in First Samuel 16, verse 23. Here you have David, young David. before he is a king. And this is during some of the hardest times of his life, some of the sweetest times, but uh, he's called into the king's palace, First Samuel
0: 16:23.
1: And the king is very much distressed and disturbed calls David him because David is the master musician. And so it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become, look at this, refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Here is what the music would do to him. It was so soothing, it would affect him emotionally refreshed. He was well. There was a physical sense in this. And then the distressing spirit would depart. There's your spiritual sense. We're talking emotional, physical, and spiritual healing whenever David would play those psalms. I've got a feeling everyone here has had times whenever they were very Stressed out, they put on music, and all of a sudden it was just like the comfort came. It was like you were uh, relaxed. And, matter of fact, you were in the presence of God. Sometimes music is so good at bringing you into that sense. Has that ever happened to anybody? <laughs> it's happened to everybody in some ways, right? Um, God um, meant music for, to do that, it uh, does so many things. But that's what uh, King Saul would do. Have David come in there and, and do that. Um, I like Audrey's passage that she used last week. That was out of Zephaniah, right? Uh, you've got that memorized. Can you say that verse for us?
0: <laughs>
1: what the Lord will rejoice over us, right? Yeah. Yeah. 3.17, 317.
2: I wrote it, no. Here we go. Don't you
1: like that? If you hadn't seen it before, you're going, what? Did that say what, did that? Say that? <laughs> really? Oh, man. Yeah. Praising God can sure cure the ills, though. Hey, how about uh, in the New Testament where you have Paul? Did you ever see Paul singing? Well, he's writing about it here. Did he ever sing? There you go. where was that at, you know? He was along with Silas. Chapter 16. Acts 16. Verse 23. I think it is. It starts out. When they had laid many stripes on them. That's, that's Paul, Silas. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks that's not a very pleasant thing at all. This is uh, really made secure. Their legs would have painful cramping. and these, kind of, these are not kind of the stocks that you think of during the Puritan times. Uh, these are uh, much harder. And they, their legs would be spread very far apart. And uh, it would cause severe pain. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And then we know what happens the earthquake. And then, of course, as a result of this, the jailer becomes saved and his household. And what a joyous time for the Lord. But what uh, that they were having in the Lord, they were praising God in the stocks that they were in. Um, they were praying and singing hymns at midnight. And I'm sure at any time it probably didn't matter because I don't think you're going to be sleeping very good anyway. (laughs) But um, as far as they were concerned, that was what was important to them. Christ was at the center of it all. And I think of some of those songs that have come along, In Christ Alone. Or I can think of uh, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. right? Or we can think of some songs about the Father, how deep the Father's love for us right and uh maybe we could think of uh, before the throne of god think of all those songs they just lift you up and it lifts god up even further and uh what a joyous time it is and realizing that uh, that's what it's about it's uh singing to him in regardless of what the time is or how we're going through situations i think of pilgrim's progress um bunyan's tremendous book um, where so often you see them going off the path and you see the uh, Christian there every time he is brought back, whether it be going through the Slough of the Spond or in Doubting Castle uh, after he gets walking back on the path again there is a song in his heart. How many times do we see that? Over and over again. A song in his heart. So, there it goes. We've just looked at a few scriptures in the last couple of weeks, but music plays a key role in who God is and how we worship Him and how we direct our lives. And really, music was meant to glorify Him like everything else was. Everything is. Well, as a result of all of this, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks, What's the next word after that? Nobody's going to say it. Giving thanks when?
2: Always.
1: Always. And what else? For all things. Yeah. Always, whenever you you feel good, and and whenever things with... are everything's going your way.
2: That's what I was thinking of when you were describing Paul's situation there. I'm thinking they were really happy,
0: you
2: know, like, worshiping like we do on Sunday <laughs> morning. Having a good time.
1: Wow. <laughs> they had Lord on their mind, didn't they? Always and for everything. Okay, let's go to Psalm 100, Penny. That's, that's your psalm right there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I bet you you know the whole psalm, don't Take you?
2: Make a joyful You even have oh, to turn Lord. there? You'll sing it for us. <laughs>
1: Right? No. You don't need to turn I there. You've got it in your mind. I just
2: recited. I would have to sing
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it has that. It starts off, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And then verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. That's our life, right there. Always entering into his gates with thanksgiving.
2: When you courts look with at one I will stand steadfast, Joseph. I will make music
1: <laughs> constantly, isn't it? Yeah, song of praise, and it's it's dealing with with thanksgiving I want to tell you something giving thanks for all things to human beings is an outrageous idea we just said all things didn't we I think of Romans 8.28 God works all things together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose all things that means all things
2: everything I've been talking everything. to guy at work for years and he he he's a Christian. I believe he's a Christian, but he doesn't get that. And I talk to him about, it and I continually tell him it's all good. Everything is good when it doesn't go the way you ask God to make it go. It's still good.
1: God's going to work in this, isn't it? Yeah.
2: And he just he doesn't get it. That's what you're well, talking about.
0: It's, when we pray.
2: Mm-hmm. It needs to be, when we say blessings, that's the good stuff. That's the raise, yes. that's the new job, that's mm, the promotion, that's the new of. car. It's not the cancer and Ann Ellis and the, you know, the car wreck. and the, Those aren't the blessings. And we miss most of our blessings because we call them bad things.
1: Well, you look at, uh, of course, mentioned a lot, but of course you think of Johnny Erickson Tata. Yeah. What a, a tragedy, a terrible thing that happened.
0: Yeah. But
1: then we see what the fruits of that have been. And how long has that, has that been? Like 40 years by now? And we've seen all the blessings that just keep coming out of her, you know, and all the things that she's done. She keep, yeah, she see, travels everywhere. If that
2: everywhere. hadn't happened, she'd be off in the suburbs somewhere with a husband and a couple of kids. and
1: Probably a gold medal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's you know, anybody would say that was a tragedy, but wow.
1: Who knows what God had in mind, right? As he worked through that. <laughs> I was, I was, sorry, uh, go
0: ahead. I was listening to
1: that old Keith Green song on my travel today about
0: Kyle turning to
2: gold. Oh, yeah. remember that song? I remember that yeah. Yeah. was yeah. yeah. like Ten Boom when her and Betsy were put in the concentration camp and they get way back to the back one. And it's got lice and bugs, and it's horrible. And Betsy drops to her knees and thanks God. And Corey's looking at her like, what is wrong with you? That. <laughs> You're thankful for this? And because of all that, because of the nastiness back there, the guards didn't come back there and rape the women and beat them. And hmm. they were left alone, and they started a Bible study back there.
1: Who would have thought, right? <laughs> Incredible. That's the way, and I'll tell you what. The reason some don't understand this is because it is—it's a deep, and I use this term. I have to be careful, but it's a deep theolo- theology. But it's more than theology. It's—it's it's actually experiencing this theology. This, but this is so deep-rooted theology, as Piper puts it. It's—it's a, it's a biblical theology about the the goodness of the sovereignty of God. And it's it's deep because it avoids all the superficial conclusions that we come up with, and we go around and we can go around saying we can be chipper and oh praise God you know and uh, hey no matter what anyhow you know and have that kind of approach. It's not always being chipper and smiling about it, but it's realizing underneath it all the basis we're going. Okay, uh, I don't necessarily like this, but I, I know. That uh, that God is is going to work through this. I know that. I know. I know my God, and uh, so you know we don't have to put on some kind of a superficial thing about it. But at the same time, we know what what is happening there. We we know that the bud uh, can be very bitter, but the flower is sweet. There can be horrible circumstances, sickness, lostness even sinfulness. But it's not in the same way necessarily we thank Him for the healing, salvation, holiness. We're not going to thank Him the same way, but yet, you know, when the text points out here to see all things are in the hands of God, that is deep theology. It is simple that even little kids sing songs about that. But when you really understand it scripturally and then when you go through it, then you start to learn more and more about this great God we have, right? And it's all for the glory of His name, the good of His people. Yep. Yep. Uh well as was happening to Paul here. Uh who wrote who wrote Ephesians? Paul. Where's Paul at when he wrote this? was so. in prison.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever stay anywhere else?
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey it was free. Free food.
2: <laughs> exactly. You can eat the rats <laughs> or something.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Wow.
1: This is a deep theology. Biblical. And, and it's okay to hate um, the evils of the world. You know, that, that's we should. And at the same time, to know that, hey, I want to work against the evils of the world. But I also know I have a God that can have me and will make me, get me to endure all of these things that we go through. And we have a ground for this uh, this thanks this Thanksgiving, we, it never cancels out the truth. All, all the fact that hey, we we hate all the sin and all the sickness and diseases and everything that's going on out there, and uh, the things that happen in this country, uh, abortion and all the political things, on and on and on. We hate that, and we know that um, uh, God hates that too. But yet, there's something bigger than that, isn't there? And he's working through this. So singing has to have this deep theology when we bring it out of our hearts. Because especially if we've gone through some pretty heavy trials and we know this God from our Scripture, and then when we sing it, it really makes more sense than we ever did before, doesn't it? Now it's like reality. And that's the kind of thanksgiving that uh, that we give. It can be over just the great things and how He's blessed us and then the other things that are horrible and painful. And uh, that's a deep way to worship God, to take those and realize that uh, those burdens uh, are cast on Him anyway. And um, we can take these songs, we can sing them to people and quietly lead them. If they're going through a hard time, and let's say they're young in the faith or what have you, and we can say, hey, listen, uh, there's an all-sufficient God here, and He's going to meet all your needs, everything that you need, He's always there. And of course, you can share about yourself, you can share about all the things that happened in Scripture, all these different people, all these characters went through uh, some horrible things, but God is sufficient always, isn't He? And that's why we can thank Him Always for all things. I think that's pretty amazing for Paul to state that. Always, all things. So, does our singing need a good understanding of deep biblical theology? That's why in some of those hymns they have such great theology. It is well with my soul people can identify with that if they've gone through something very horrible. I think sometimes it could be a great theme song for for our lives sometimes, right? Hey, how are you doing? Well, there have been some of the most worst things that have happened, but I do want to tell you it's still well here. Still well. Lord's living here, you know. Well... We already know when we are to give thanks. The easiest way to give thanks, there are three different levels here of giving thanks. One of them is when we're blessed. Should we give thanks and praise to God when He has blessed us with something that's obvious? Sure are. It's easy to do it then, though. It, and it's an automatic, but it should be done. I do,
0: best, I do
1: yeah, I think we all do. I think we are all really good on that level. <laughs> that's that's the level that anybody can uh, you know do, or they should. Now, a lot of times people forget, though. and forget to give thanks whenever God has just given them something that might be small. But yet, uh, that's why he says be giving thanks always, whether it be for food or whatever. Uh, giving glory to him. Now, there's, I, I think of uh, Exodus 15, the Song of Moses, children of Israel, they cross... Uh, the water, and after they crossed, uh, they write a song. Moses has a song, and that song is uh, sung by all those people out there in the desert. What a song it was! Great praise and worship to God there. So when they were blessed, um, they gave thanks.
2: Well, they must have had a copy machine.
1: They yeah, how did they copy. get those lyrics out to them? <laughs> they had PowerPoint. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was, uh, what do you call it,
1: antiphonal? I have to wonder yeah. if maybe that's, yeah. yeah. That would have been nice. Oh, I don't know how they did that. Nice. How about, the second one we have here is the hope of victory uh, is yet to come. Uh, we know there's going to be victory. It's not come, but we're praising God. Um, go all the way back to Second Chronicles. You have a king involved here. Have a war involved. A big battle, anyway. Second Chronicles uh, 1. sure this is what I'm really after here. That doesn't look right. I know I'll look this up. Because I was reading it. That's where I came from. I can't remember. It must be a typo. I can't remember where I'm at here. This is a battle. It was dealing with the fact that there is a victory that's going to be given to them by God. I wonder if it was... I'm not going to take up any more time, me looking for it here. Oh, we have more. How about in the midst of a battle? You want to do that one? Mm-hmm. This is found in Daniel. Well,
0: I hope so.
1: <laughs> the, the, we got this one right. I know this is here. This, I know this one. <laughs> Daniel, um, this is deal, dealing with the lion's den, right? And uh, there's a plot to make him look bad and actually get him killed, right? In Daniel six ten, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and what? Gave thanks for his God, as was his custom since early days. And we know as a result of doing this, what happens to Daniel? He gets thrown into the lion's den. But he does it. He kept doing what he always did. He did not uh, discontinue his pattern of prayer. And he uh, did it. Uh, he was seen. And uh, whatever the cost is going to be, he was going to continue to do it.
2: Man, it worked out really good for him. And the lions got a really good meal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we know that. He wound up being saved from the lions. What a what a display that God put on there in, in uh, saving him. But anyway, uh, that was in the, the the heat of the battle. It, the battle was already on because he knew what would happen to him. But he continued to pray. They they were not to be praying to their God, and uh, that to the uh, the Babylonians. Uh, was a terrible thing, and since they had made that law, and so they had to do that, the king didn't want to do it, but they had to, but we know the outcome of that. How about Jonah? Uh, the subject of Jonah comes up again. Jonah gets swallowed by the fish, then Jonah goes to one of the greatest prayer meetings ever in the world, <laughs> right there in the whale fish's or the fish's belly, I guess I better to put it. In uh, Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he finishes up the prayer like this, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah knew who God was. Knew His characteristics. Matter of fact, he even shows it here. Salvation is of the Lord. It's all of the Lord. Not of anybody else. But you notice he says, with the voice of thanksgiving. He's thanking God while he has been disobedient in running away from God, and then as a result being put into that fish. And as he prays here, uh, and it's quite a prayer as he's in that pit, and he prays the right prayer as he's saying with thanksgiving that's in the midst of the battle isn't it right in the right in the furnace there so thanks is not just a matter of feeling but it's it's obedience isn't it so that's uh, that's quite a level when you get to the point of being in the midst of the battle and and still giving thanks to God because of that while we're still under the testing while we're still under the trial that we're in, the trouble that we're in, still saying thanks, it's easy to do it after it's all over. And it's uh, even a better level to say it even before it starts, but to be doing it while it's in the middle shows um, maybe one has um, matured a little bit in the Lord. Go to Job 1.21. After all these things happened to Job in the first chapter, just the first chapter, Job arose, verse 20, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away and what does he say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a song called that, isn't there? (laughs)
0: He (laughs) was totally depraved. Yeah. (laughs) It was a joke. It was a stupid joke. He was naked. (laughs) He was totally depraved. Totally depraved.
1: That's uh total humility that he was in. But you you notice that uh the Lord gave, the Lord take away. And uh we uh, we bless him for that. You go to the New Testament and you take a look at Paul in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and he shows kind of like the same kind of attitude. Actually, chapter second uh, Corinthians chapter nine. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. And I think this is the chapter where he starts talking about all of the things that he went through. And uh, What
0: verse is that? I'm in
1: chapter 10. 10
0: verse
1: what? It's chapter 9, chapter 9 verse
2: 12. Okay. But that was a good verse.
1: Yeah. Okay. It was. It was real good. God wrote it. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession, the gospel of Christ, for your liberal sharing with them and all men. Anyway, what, um, he says, By prayer for you, who long for you because the exceeding grace of God and you thanks be to God for His indescribable gift and there is uh, talking about the cheerful giver and yet he uh, the many thanksgivings that are abounding in all the ministry that that Paul had done thanks be to God for his indescribable gift so that's what we're to be uh, thankful for aren't we the indescribable gift of course ultimately, it's Christ and uh, so we give thanks for the big things the small things And I think what you have here is humility. And humility comes along and dethrones self. And that is what would make one want to say thanks. Verse 20 says, back to Ephesians, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. What's the next phrase? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we... uh, say any of our prayers we always do it in the authority of Christ don't we? in his name what he would ask for so as we're being thankful we're doing it in uh, thanksgiving because of Christ he's the reason that we uh, are even that way in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and he says the, the thanks is given to God the Father so we say thanks to the Father through the son when we go to the Father it's always through the son and that's how we uh, proceed in that way I think of uh, like in James where he is the the father is the giver of all the gifts Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So there we get the Father and ultimately the the gifts that we've been given they come from the Father. So if we can think of the triune God um, we ultimately give thanks to Him as we go through uh, the Son as it's stated here in Ephesians giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that's how prayer works that's how thanksgiving Philippians 4.6 be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your quest be made known to God. So we go to God, or we go to the Father, through the Son, via the Holy Spirit, and as a result of that, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So going, going to Him, recognizing that uh, all these gifts are coming from Him. Go to our Ephesians 1. 1 3. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That God and Father is the one who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So, again, thanking the Father as uh, it comes through uh, the Son, makes it possible. Put another in Colossians two seven. Okay, verse six. Receive Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Coming back to that thanksgiving, it's because. We, are, uh, we have Christ. We're rooted in Him. We're being built up. We're growing in Him. And it's all through Christ. And uh, again, we should be abounding. Abounding on our thanksgiving. Jesus said thanks to the Father. Do you remember how often He said that? Whenever he, uh, the loaves and the fish were blessed... And he said thanks to the Father. Or how about Lazarus when he prayed to the Father there and uh, he gave, uh, gave a thanks there. I think it was John 11, right? Jesus uh, lifted up his eyes. It's in verse uh, 41. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. So there he's even thanking um, the Father before it even happens, before Lazarus comes back to life. He says, Father, I thank you. So Jesus in himself is saying thanks. And at the Lord's Supper, again He does the same thing. Uh, Luke 22 19 at uh, that last Passover, the Lord's Supper is instituted there. He took bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There He is saying thanks to the Father. It's hard to imagine here we have God the Son here on Earth, and yet he's praying to the Father, and he's giving Him thanks. I think that sets forth quite the uh, quite the example for us, doesn't it? What's the horizontal result of all of this? Let's go back to Ephesians and close this out here. He's used the uh, the qualifier being filled with the Spirit as a result of that. Then you sing, speak to one another, you give thanks to God. I mean, this is praising God. This is the ultimate of it all. And then he comes on the horizontal level and that's dealing with uh, Christians with other Christians again. And this is going to set it up for the next um, section to end chapter 5 and moving into chapter 6 at, uh, at home and on the job, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting. Submitting. The Holy Spirit will lead us to seek the welfare of other people. And that is what He wants us to do, to be subject to one another, to to be easy to get along with, with, with other people, recognizing that uh, whatever their need is, if they want to do something like that, then there's a sense of giving in, um, using wisdom, obviously, but... Uh, I don't think any of us are really by that I guess you can say a nature of that way as we're being changed and being uh, conformed to the image of Christ I don't think it's natural to want to submit to other people to other authorities and such but that is much like Christ and uh, when we yield to others the reason we're able to do it when we do it in love, it's because we've been filled with the Spirit. We can now do things that's not natural. Uh, we don't have to have our own way every time, do we? And so this is how it starts. He, you know, he uses this like whenever you're coming together. It, it can be in any kind of situation, but especially you know, the church. As, as you are filled with the Spirit, and singing and giving thanks, uh, you're submitting to one another. If you're all submitting to one another... That's an unbelievable situation. Incredible. One thing I ask. It says, being filled with the Spirit. How can you be filled with the Spirit? He doesn't tell us that here, does He? He tells us what's going to happen if we're filled with the Spirit, but does He really tell us how to be filled? I have some profound answers for this. And you're going to be saying, "This is what you always say." That's what you already believe. Word of God, this is how we're filled with the Spirit: prayer, right? And of course, uh, being with one another and talking about the things of God. But those uh, being being with the Lord. Letting His Word richly dwell within you. And uh, that is something that we already know. But that's why we must continue to seek His wisdom and His will. As it said earlier, um, the times that we live in, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And when you do that, you won't be controlled by, for instance, wine, or any other things for that matter, that should be controlled by His Spirit. And now we can live the Christian life and no matter what comes up against us. And that's amazing that He has put the being thanks, or saying thanks always for all things, because it's not always going to go well in the church. It's not always going to go well between wife and husband. It's not always going to go well between parent and child, uh, children and such and at the job, right? All of these things, it's going to be uh, another trial, another thing that comes up that's a little difficult. But are we, if we're in the Word and we are in prayer, then we can have all the power to deal with those situations knowing that He is in control here and control of each one of our lives and filled with the Spirit. Do you, do you think that's probably one of the most practical things in all of the Bible, um, what Paul has written about in how to live the Christian life? Be filled with the Spirit. Any, any questions? I can barely see. <laughs> Are there people out here? <laughs> My hay fever has set in good its Trying to close my eyes and get all matted. Thank you guys for coming out. And uh, Elden, could you lead us in prayer?